Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined with Juan and Andreas to talk about team cultures. Before we get into the podcast, let's start by giving ourselves some introductions. Juan, are you okay to go first? Absolutely. Well, my name is Andreas Ehrmann and I work for a company called Got It in Gothenburg and it's a small IT company. I've got a I'm a team manager of uh, about 10 uh, people in the cross-functional team. And my desire with my team is to, um, well, help them find and develop their potential, each and every one, the individuals. Perfect. And then over to yourself, Juan. Thank you. My name is Juan Gallardo. I work on, on Cisco Systems, uh, which is a very international company. And even though I don't have people reporting to me, I have to deal every day with people around the whole world in different positions, different levels, which is the reason why I'm, I was attracted by the topic of this podcast. And when I'm not working, I like to do sports like climbing, for example. Perfect. There were some great introductions. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So now what we'll do is everyone has prepared a question or subtopic before the podcast around the topic of team culture we'll dive into these a little bit more and we're going to go straight back to Juan to introduce his question sure um because of what i was saying that my the company where i'm working is multicultural i see these days that it's very easy for groups to be everywhere around the world and then is you, you get this situation where when it's good to have people from different places and when it's actually bad to have people from different places. And it's something that I can see very much today. If I can start uh, answering my own question, I see, for example, that many times people with different culture backgrounds are very good to have into teams because then people get different way of thinking you have in the same room you have different opinions different perspective that makes a conversation and discussions very good and very uh, rich you get a lot of input from different sides and sides and then you get to an answer that is more complete but at the same time when you have to deal with this kind of different cultures, you are faced sometimes with challenges that in certain cultures, for example, they are not allowed to say something different than their bosses or that it's more difficult for them to give a completely honest opinion that is not biased because it's something engraving their, in their personality, in, in, in their culture. 
So you have kind of everything here, and that's that's why I'm facing this every day, right? Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, would you say that if if you need to reach a, a consensus, some kind of a joint decision, that it's difficult, more difficult than with a cohesive team with basically one nationality? And 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 here is something that is very interesting, right? You are Swedish, yeah, and. If you see, you started the question when everyone has to be on the same page, which is super, super Nordic, right? Uh, If you move that same conversation to something like the US, for example, then it's like a boss saying something and everyone will do what the boss is saying or Asian countries is similar. Then imagine if in in my case, I'm working for uh, a Scandinavian group in Norway. But then we have people from China and we have people from the U.S. in the same room. There, it's so difficult to get consensus in that kind of environment. So how do you how do you solve that? It's very interesting. Well, I mean, there is something that it, that I like to call leading by by influence, uh, which means that I have, for example, when I I bring an idea to the table, I'm I'm a product manager, right? So I bring a new product to the table or a feature that I want to do. I find myself having to convince everyone in the room about my idea being good. But my approach is different if I'm speaking to someone in the US than if I'm speaking to someone in Asia or in the Scandinavian countries. So I, I think I can say that I, I, I know after 10, 12 years working in this environment how to navigate that. but. The answer is it would depend a lot on who I'm speaking to. Do you face anything similar like this in your? Slightly, we we have mostly uh, mostly native Swedes in uh, in our company actually, uh, and that's mainly because all our code and or, or basically everything in what we uh, what we create has to be in Swedish because it's for the Swedish school system. It's for Swedish municipalities. So everything you need to have uh, a perfect grasp of the Swedish language to be, be able to, to write code properly and to be able to educate uh, our customers uh, in our system. So, uh, but saying that, I, we have a couple of uh, people with a different background, but this is European background. So we have a from the Southern Europe and, and from Austria. Um, and they have been living in Sweden for quite some time. So I, I suppose they have been assimilated, but uh, they still bring along, I don't know, a slightly different temper, mentality. Yeah, yeah some some spices. Some spices, yeah, it's, it's just slight differences. And uh, we're also quite uh, broad when it comes to age. So we have some young developers 20 plus, uh, and uh, myself, I'm 51, so, and we have a bunch of people over 50. So it's a, it's a wide age spectrum also, and that also makes certain uh, nuances. Uh, I mean, we are many that are old enough to be parents to the younger ones. Some of them, yeah. yeah. And, and that was something that I was going to bring up as well, because I think culture is, is not only the part of where are you born, but it's also like the time where you have been raised uh, uh, shapes you a lot. So when I see, for example, the younger generation that is joining my teams compared to the older generations, 
there is also there like a a bit of a um a, i wouldn't call it a shock but like discussions that are becoming more common because of the age difference that the young generation is thinking about one approach because many of them i love but many of them doesn't know even what a cable an ethernet cable is right it's wireless and if it doesn't work wirelessly like why what's happening and and then you have these two very big different approaches to the same problem which sometimes is good but sometimes it's also difficult i i agree and i think one of my developers uh, and she's older uh, she's not old but i mean she's 40 45 46 so so she put it very nicely she said okay we who grew up uh, not with computers but learning computers as we as we became became teenagers or whatever we uh, adapted to the computer or to the technology but today's younger people they expect the t technology to adapt to them yeah and i think there's a huge difference in in way of thinking like you said uh, they expect everything to to just function wirelessly right out of the box whereas if you're older you think yeah okay we're, we're let's read the manual let's read the manual first do i have all the parts <laughs> what should i plug it in uh, and I think that's quite interesting and, and very important also to to take into account when when you uh, yeah when you develop some kind of team culture or whatever uh, because those different kinds of views are are, are both do important. You, do you find in your team one group taking over the other, or do you think that they are balanced? Uh, I think we're quite balanced, uh, and that's mainly because, like I said, we're a cross-functional team. Where we have uh, my developers, and then I also have, uh, yeah, Bergsamets Consult, that would be uh, my support and education staff. Uh, since we, you know, when we sell our product, we also support and give support for the product, and we we uh, educate the customers in the product. So we work as a team. Uh, so the support and education staff, they are very much involved in uh, the actual development because. The developers don't have the knowledge of um, what our customers actually need and, and do, so they need to translate that to the developers. Um, so I think it's it's um, yeah it's, it's it's quite even in in, in who leads uh, sometimes because sometimes we need more of the developers sometimes we need more of the education stuff when you're sorry to interrupt but when you're talking about age um i am a i call myself is it generation z z um i'm a millennial i was born in 2000 so completely different generation never had a flip phone went straight onto the the touch screens um and I completely, I completely get what you mean with those two generations. And I don't even think there's that many years between it. I think my generation completely doesn't understand how you did things with wires uh, because we've never needed to. Um, but I find there's a, you get a lot more like sarcastic comments from your way in the UK of, oh, but you won't know that because you weren't born. Um, things like that. And when you're younger and you're like but i know how to, i know i know that i can do this like with the exact same level but you think think like it's just that like that confidence really to tell someone excuse me please you might be older than me but just and you know that there there is something very interesting there when you when, when you have a table full of people in different ages like 
the, the senior ones normally have a higher voice, but in, in groups like mine, where we are developing something that someone else is going to use, we have to be sure that we are developing something that everyone can use. And most, most probably, if you look at the ages where we are right now, ranging for workers, like the younger generation is going to be the one that needs, that we need to design for, because the time that takes the product to go to market, get into the place, it's going to be some time and that time is going to allow that generation to come in. So we have to understand that and, and let the young ones decide or, or explain their point of view much more. At least that's my opinion. I think, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, but I think, I think it depends on the product, um, like the product I'm, I'm also the product owner. My, my product is, uh, like I said, geared towards the school system, but it's, it's for huge municipalities to, to, yeah, well, basically you put the child in at one, one and a half years of age when they go to pre uh, preschool and everything, and then they go through the whole school system and pop out again at nineteen twenty in our system and all the time they exist within our system for for grading for for um sending out bills for the daycare and and uh, whatever uh, so so the people the, the the admins that use our system they are they are always doing things a certain way and that might not always be the way that uh, a developer would say is the optimal way of doing things but it's very difficult to change the customers. So sometimes it's easier to adapt the product uh, because we, we, we've tried very hard to, to understand the need of the customer and translate, like I said, we have to use my, my support and education stuff to, to, to translate the need of the customer to the developers. Hmm. And there, there might be a mismatch there sometimes because sometimes the develop, developers develop something and then it reaches customer and customers close. No, we can't use this, but it's, 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 it's great. You click here and you get yourself there. Yeah. Fast. That's the way we want this. So. And, and if you add to that, when you have multicultural groups with people thinking in another, let's call it another language, right? Like if you add to that, that salad, you, you take someone that it's a developer and it's from another different country where they have a totally different way to do exactly the same thing that you're doing. Then it gets even more confusing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Like, like I said, the school system, I mean, the school system, you might think it's the same in, in, in many countries. It's not. It differs a lot. Just go from Sweden to Norway, Norway to Denmark, Denmark to Finland. Uh, it's completely different. So, like I said, you need to understand the Swedish language and also the Swedish school system to be able to function well in our product. And I can imagine that being uh, necessary in certain other uh, developing con uh, companies also. But <laughs> if you work on it, if you, if you have a great culture with uh, team culture with great dialogue, uh, and you make it, I always emphasize for for my. Uh, especially to my developers, ask, mm. always ask and always ask someone who actually has worked where our customers work. I mean, in, in that environment, because they will, can, they will be able to provide you a better answer than if you ask another developer, another, another developer might help you uh, with how to write that code. The technology. Yeah. 
but uh, someone who actually knows um, the job at hand, they, they will help you with what is the need. And I think uh, ask is, is the best advice I can give any new developer uh, in my company. But then at the same time, I've seen situations where everyone is thinking kind of the same way to solve a problem. And then someone that is not from the same country comes with an idea that for them is very natural and easy because it's, it's the way that they have done things. But we don't think that way. And it's like eye-opening for us, right? Like, oh, how couldn't we think about that? And of course, that's a great idea and we take it. So it's always, I think it's always about a balance, as you've been saying, Andreas, you have to find that balance between cultures, between ages, between audience versus internal, like you're listening to the customer, but at the same time, you need to do something that works. So it can't be just, you know, taking very long routes to be able to satisfy the customer. You have to find a place that is in the middle. Yeah, totally agree. Perfect. Well, on that, should we move over to um, your question address? Sure. See, I'm going to try to remember it again. <laughs> but for our, uh, oh yeah, how is team culture affected by remote work? Yeah, sure. Do you want to read it out and introduce it to the podcast? Yes. Uh, well, my question is, how do you feel team culture is or has been affected by remote work? Hmm. So just on that, how, how much of your team is remote or how much are you working remote at the moment? Are you asking me or are you asking me? So both of you, both of you. Okay. For my team, we have two days uh, a week where people are remote, except for me, I'm always at the office. So three days usually, uh, but sometimes it's more than two days that they are remote because of uh, having the sniffles or whatever it is. In, in in our case, I mean, I work with video collaboration devices, so we have always been open for people to work remotely, and I work 100% remote. Uh, but I see, uh, I mean, I see a difference between how it was before the pandemic and how it's with the pandemic. Uh, and I think one of the... the the, the biggest thing that I see is that human behavior is different when they are face-to-face -face and when they are through a screen. Somehow, some people feel more protected by that screen and they are okay to say things that they might not be okay to say to your face if you are in front of them. So I see there, some people have taken the, okay, I'm going to work from home more often. We allow it. We don't have any problem. But then you see a difference in their personality or, or their attitude towards the work. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's, it's not that good. Yeah, I, I feel that um, to, to actually get a team to glue together nicely, it's very difficult, even with the, the slight amount of remote work that we, uh, that we do. Um, I, I, if, you have, if you've had the team that came into the pandemic as a team, I think it's been, it probably has been much easier to keep the team together than if you have been basically hiring new people and, and having a, a changing team during the pandemic. Uh, that, that's my feeling because that's the way my team has been. Um, 
so it's been a bit of a struggle for me to to get them to actually uh, pull in the same pull, pull in the same line as we go together as a general with the rest. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, too little time has been spent face to face. Not like what we do do now. It's face to face, but I mean, it's still yeah, a real person in real life. But yeah. So, and then here's something that is interesting for me. It's what do you call too little time? Because from, from my point of view, like what, what I normally try to do is that I have, I travel to meet with the people of my group time to time. I meet them, but then I come back and I work hundred percent remotely. I seen that this, this work, as long as I do at least once a month. My, uh, uh, to meet the, the engineering team, but in your case, why are you calling too little time? How often do you think is is the good amount? I I feel like the the days that we are actually together as a whole team, we are much more creative and much more, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say productive, uh, but no, creative is probably the, the the best description of it because. Uh, it's easier to ask someone when you're in the same room. You just go pat them on the shoulder and say, "Hey, can I ask you a quick question?" Or you meet them on the way to a coffee machine or or wherever in the hallway. Than it is to to actually, yeah, slack someone or call someone on Teams, um, because it's more much more direct, and then you can get in in that interaction between two people face to face. New ideas usually appear. Hmm. You say, well, what if we did this, and then you sit down together and you you huddle a bit, and you bring someone else in, and this it's so much more direct. So I feel that the best ideas, the best collaboration happens when we get to spend time together. And I would have wanted to spend more time together to get the team to gel, and then they pro- probably would gel very well also. Uh, remotely, but uh, the, the pandemic has yeah messed that up a bit. I, I feel because uh, it's difficult to start. Uh, difficult. I th- I, f- I feel it's difficult to start a great team culture uh, where most of the time is spent remotely. I mean, you can set up rules. You can have a, a okay. You always have the camera on when we're team teams meetings. We always have a stand up at this hour. Blah blah blah. Uh, but those are only rules, and th- those are uh, yeah okay. I I do this and then I go back to just sit in in my living room and then hack on my computer. But the actual growth of people and the actual developing of ideas and the developing of, like I said, what what I aspire to do to develop the potential in every person, it's it's not only it's it's not me doing that it's it's us as a team doing that to each other to realize the potential you need to actually be with people i think yeah again for me this is a very interesting topic because it goes directly with what i do day to day um i'm i'm of the opinion that we we need to be more open because i think this is something that is is not going to go back we're not going to be able to change back and we we need to find those things that you are talking about, like gelling or cutting the the shoulder, we have to find the equivalence uh, for that on on other ways. Like, how can we do to get the people to gel better when there is no chance to meet each other every day? So be creative on that sense to be able to to get to the same level, and then 
the dependency to have to meet everyone in real life all the time can be more flexible. Mm. Yeah. Gemma, you, you look like you want to say something, Gemma. No, no. I, I mean, I, I mentioned this to both of you previously, but I've noticed just such a big push at the moment with the different clients we work with of them wanting people in the office. Um, so I guess with working remotely, getting that team culture in, there must be a link there, but then it is that question of, well, we did it, is it that we did it for like a fixed term and then there's been like a sudden change in people's hearts? Or do you think this was always going to be the case that we were all going to go back to the office? I think it depends who you ask, to be honest. Like there, there is people that wants to go back to the to the way that it was before, but there is people that, that found a different life after this. Uh, and, and, and now you have... Again, it's what I was saying before. Now you need to find a way, new ways. Yeah, and I'm talking about technology or games or ideas. How to to blend those two worlds, accepting that they are going to exist and coexist. Yeah, what, I, I, what, I agree. One thing that we've done, um, obviously, we work with with youth Swedes all day, um, and we're English, um, but we've we've adopted Fika. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's a great sport. Sporting, um, sporting good things to to the UK. Definitely, um, it's definitely something we could take on more often. But with what I mean by that is, um, we do it on a Friday. We work from home on a Friday. We're in the office Monday to Thursday. Um, the more senior you get, sorry, there's a fly. Um, the more senior you get, you get more responsibility, more time to work from home. But while you're learning the job, they they like us to be in the office, which it worked really well. Um, but we have Fika on a Friday and it's at 11am and it's compulsory for all of us to join. Um, unless like there's some, you're super busy and you really can't make it. And what we tend to find in that is that everyone's then able to like have that connection together, even though they're remote and it's like playing games. We do all the different like hurdles and wordles and all the different like little quick things you can play with each other. And it, it keeps that team culture together, um, even when you're remote. But I imagine if someone said to me that every day, if I was working from remote, maybe like, let's say five days, every day I had to log in at 11 o'clock and play 30 minutes of games, I'd be like, is this a good use of my work day? Or could I have 30 minutes where I can just, you know, go for a walk or do something that's like in my life? Um, so I think that's probably where the teen culture from being remote has lost its like little snippet is because when you're when you're like together you can just be like okay everyone together now we're gonna go into a room and do this meeting where when you're online it's so easy just to be like oh well, let's have the TV on in the background and watch the news. Yeah, uh, and 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 here's where again I am I'm saying. I think we're going to have to invent those new ways, right? Because I've been working remote for 12 years or more, 15 years or something like that. And I am I can see the difference between, uh, I mean, I do a big effort to try to keep that bond with the people that I work with because I understand that it's so important to, uh, to, for, for creativity, for, for this that we're talking about, the working culture, it's important to have it. So I've done things myself, like for example, I tried to keep with certain people, I tried to keep like a side conversation that is not work related, 
because I know that there is a special topic that it's interesting for both of us. So running or cycling or something like that, and then I can uh, mes message them. And this is even using a different channel that the regular channel that we have at work uh, saying, hey, did you see that this person won this race or something like that to, to try to keep that bot, to try to make something that strengthens the culture in, in our working environment. But it's an active work that I have to do being conscious about it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I do something similar. Well, I, we have uh, regular uh, meetings one-on-one, uh, -on -one, me and uh, my staff, basically to get to know each other better, but also so that, that they have an, an opportunity to raise uh, if there is an issue with, with me as a, as a team manager or with uh, anyone else in the team or whatever uh, at the company or with a customer or dreams and hopes and, yeah, like I said, to find their potential. So it's, um, we, we, we use a concept called lead managed coach uh, so uh, as a leader sometimes you need to lead you had an, an example before when you introduce a new concept or a new product that, that's basically you you leading this, this is what we're going to do and this is where we're going to go and then as a manager that's you managing the team to go in the direction and then as a coach you coach them into becoming yeah, developing their potential or becoming uh, a better self or finally realizing their dreams or whatever. Um, and and I, I find that more efficient uh, when you're actually meeting the person than to do it uh, on, on, on screen. Yeah. But maybe I like that. I, I like, again, since I'm, since I'm, I'm the one remote to, with reference to my team, most of my team is, is on site. They decide if they want to work one day out, out from their house or whatever, but I'm the one that is remote. So I, I, I try to create a personal bond that is a little bit stronger than a work bond. So if I see, for example, that someone is interested on, I don't know, for example, lately we did a device that had a problem and we always got a, a, like a shadow in the, in one area and I, I designed myself and printed using my 3D printer something that fixed it momentaneously while we fixed the product itself. I printed a few of these ones and I sent to the people to in my team and we started to make jokes about it and you know it, it became something different because it, it was it's still work related but it was something separate, you know, and, and, and that kind of bonds are stronger than I don't like when I hear you are forced to go to the office X amount of time. Like when you when you have to force someone to do something, is I think it's not it's counterproductive. How do you say that? Counterproductive. And and I I yeah I tried to find a way to do the same thing without having to impose it. Definitely. Um, I'm going to move on to my question, if that's okay with you two. Um, I think that was quite a nice segue. Um, so we are currently interviewing at Evolution um, for different people to join us on our journey and make our team more effective and better. Um, but one thing that we, we, well, we struggled with ourselves, but we've also found a lot of our clients during the interview process have struggled with is how do you check that someone either fits your team culture or adds to your team culture during the interview process? 
So for us, I've been asking silly questions about biscuits and different things they like to do outside of work, what what they look for in a manager, um, and how they like how they like to be led. Um, so that is my way my way of doing it. But I'm open to hearing any tips of how have you had any bad experiences from recruiting people who haven't added to the team culture, or have you got a tip or trick you can share? Yeah. Uh, I I can say that it's it's a it's one of the most important questions that you can do in an interview or that you should try to answer in an interview. But it's also one of the most difficult ones to figure out because it depends a lot on on the person and the personality of that person. I normally try to ask, kind of, how would they react to certain uh, situations and see depending not only on the answer, but actual, actually the way that they react to the answer to the question, it's something that leads me to know if they might be uncomfortable or not on those kind of situations. And I would say that's kind of like the best that I can do, but I, being completely honest, it has not worked every time. I have something similar. I would try to ask, or we try to ask in any situation where we hire someone, or interview someone, uh, we ask them to describe something in, in their previous work, uh, a solution or situation that they've handled and that they are really proud of. And uh, if you ask a developer, they may, okay, I developed this blah, 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 and created a lot of revenue for, for the company. For instance, it could be something like that, but the way, the way they tell the story, or if, if they have nothing that they are proud of, that also tells be something um so so either they really em embellish everything and then try to show off as something really yeah i'm the superman of coding or, or they can't really come up with anything so so uh, those two uh, i i'm not really sure i want either of those i would probably prefer someone who is uh, not modest but at least can say uh, thinking uh, yeah i did this thing it might be a very small thing but they can feel proud of what they did. Confirmation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so I think that's that's a good question to ask someone. And is there anything, Yema? Uh, sorry, Andreas. Is there anything that you know that it exists like as a as a uh, technique or as a how do you say a template that people advise to follow for this? No. Yeah, probably there are. If you study HR, I suppose there might be. I mean, those people. Probably had a lot of tips and tricks, but uh... we do. Um, so for us, this isn't for like the people that we help get interviews. Um, for Evolution, we do a meet the team, and it's like ten minutes before the actual interview or ten minutes after, depending on which time frame works with them. Um, and then this way, it's a little bit of a more relaxed format. So then, you know, it's ten minutes. Usually, if it's afterwards, it's a lot more relaxed than before. But they can speak to other people, ask questions to them about what our team culture is like, because that's equally as important that, you know, this is something that works with themselves. Um, but then also they're able to then afterwards have that same experience and make sure that that fits with them. But we can speak to our team and be like, what did you think of them? Did they, did you, did you connect? Did, did you have that good feeling? Um, because I think as the interviewer, you're going in there you've got such a big long list of things that you're trying to find in one hour um 
but that's been our way, but it hasn't worked every time. Um, but it's worked yeah. more often than not, which is good. I, I can say that when, when I'm being interviewed, I ask to meet people that is going to be on the team. That it's not going to be above me only because I, I want to know how is the, the environment where I'm going to work. Uh, and, but when I meet with them, I, I try just to talk to them as people and go with my gut feeling. I don't have any specific, well, I have probably some specific questions about the work, but I try to go much broader than that because I think I couldn't work in a place where I don't, I don't share the same kind of culture or the same kind of ideals. That would be very difficult for me. I agree. Yeah, some some kind of basic basic values or, or little checkpoints at least. I, I usually also ask, uh, describe how you start a day and, and what mm -hmm. would be, what would be, a, describe a good work day for you because that tells me a bit about who they are, uh, if, if they are organized, uh, if they, if they like to sleep late, uh, you know, those things, it might not be a bad or a good thing, what the way they answer, but it gives me an idea at least of the personality of the person. And then I can have an idea of see how, yeah, how they would function with the rest of the team. Hmm. I mean, for instance, if I have, if I have a team, if I know I have nine team members that are really punctual and really want everything to be very, yeah, done in a specific way, I can't bring in someone, oh, I like to sleep until 10 and come in whenever I want to and maybe sit up coding all night and just, because that wouldn't work very well with the rest of the team. Uh, so I would do them an injustice, an, an injustice in bringing someone in like that into the team. Yeah. Good point. And so I've got this really good question. I'm definitely going to steal that one and ask. Um, I haven't thought of that one. Um, <laughs> we, I do one that's, um, who's somebody that you look up to that isn't someone that you know? So like what celebrity influence do they like? Um, I don't really care about the answer. I just care about like having that passion or someone that, you know, they're interested in and seeing if that connects with somebody on my team because then you can introduce them and be like, you're both, you're both interested in football, um, things like that. There's, oh, you always have an allegiance to a football um, team in the UK. It just seems like I don't even watch football, but there's still a team that's for me. Um, so we do it that way. But we have we have about ooh, five minutes left. Um, is there anything else that we want to discuss? Any other things, insights and team culture that you, you want to go for? No, I think this has been a very interesting... <laughs> The time just flew. Um, yeah, it went so quick. Um, how about for yourself, Andreas? Yeah, I, I feel great. It's a nice meeting. Yeah, both of you, Gemma, I met before, but of fun. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for being a co-conspirator in, in yeah. this podcast. Yeah, my honor. <laughs> well, I hope that you, you know, you're able to help your team culture or like take something and try it and run with it for a little bit from this podcast. Um, Thank you for everyone else for listening. I hope that you've also learned something new. And again, thank you, Andreas and Yuan, for sharing your thoughts and your ideas. And I, I hope it's been a good use of your time. <laughs>